Hey everyone, welcome to the Well Standard Podcast. Thanks for joining me. We are on episode six of the third season of 2018 where we are focused on the principle of property. And the guest I have today, Rich Horwath, is the president of Strategic Thinking Institute and also a professor of strategy at the Lake Forest Graduate School of management. Now, before we get to this incredible interview, uh, I would uh, encourage you to go to the website. Uh, there is our past episodes on there. You can binge watch or binge listen to season two and season one, where season one, we focused on uh, the principle of life, you being your greatest asset, then the pr- uh, principle of liberty, which is the pursuit of financial freedom. And, uh, and of course, this season is on property, which is applying those first two season principles and themes to execution of, uh, of ideas, execution of business, execution uh, of, of whatever it takes in order to accomplish your goals. And looking at the guest I have today, Rich, it is uh, it's a, a perfect interview because he is an expert at strategic thinking. And it's at a, a large scale. It's mostly with uh, Fortune 100 and 500 companies like Adidas and, and Pfizer. Uh, but he's also worked with smaller companies too. And the notion is you know, really the idea around how to execute uh, business uh, purposes and business plans and business strategy and to do it in a, in a way that I would say is not representative of the traditional form of business, which I would say is managerial, hierarchical, uh, but Rich really uh, has it together and I love his philosophy. And uh, so his new book, which is uh, Strategy Man versus the Anti-Strategy Squad, uh, and uh, then subtitle is Using Strategic Thinking to Defeat Bad Strategy and Save Your Plan. Uh, it is, it's an interesting way to, to write a book where uh, he identifies the, uh, the strategy man as a hero. Uh, and this is you know, really the, the leadership element or the idea of strategic thinking <clears throat> or using strategic thinking versus the anti-strategy squad, which are the villains that represent the different things that hold businesses and teams back. And so it's a brilliant way of teaching some of these principles so definitely follow him. He he has got it together. Uh, his website is strategyskills.com. He's also available on LinkedIn and uh, and other social media. And we'll make sure that we post all of that to uh, to the show notes. All right. So without uh, without further ado, let's get to my interview with Rich Horwath. Welcome to the 2018 seasons of the Wealth Standard Podcast, celebrating the principles of life, liberty, and property. You are listening to season three, Property. Rich, it's uh, great to have you with us today. Thank you so much for for joining us and uh, and taking the time to do this interview. Patrick, thank you for the opportunity. I'm a big fan of your work and looking forward to our conversation. So, Rich, let's let's get right into it. Why don't you, you know, for those that don't know who you are, would you mind just spending a moment talking about your uh, your background and how you got to uh, this this stage where you're consulting and and are highly in, uh, influential in the in the business world? 
Yeah, so you know, my, my, my journey started about 20 years ago. I was actually working for a marketing company doing strategic plans, and we had an off-site meeting, and one of the participants came up to me at the break and said, you know, my manager said I'm too tactical. I need to be more strategic. How do I do that? And about 20 years ago, there really wasn't a lot out there. So I did some research, and you know, most of the work on strategy was really about corporate strategy and, and business unit strategy, but not really strategy for the individual. So 16 years ago, I started the, my, this organization, the Strategic Thinking Institute, and really our mission is to help people, individual managers, think strategically, not once a year when they do their plan, but on a regular basis to really generate new ideas, new insights insights that lead to new value for their customers. So the companies that you've worked with over the years, what, what do you see as, as some of the primary obstacles they, they face when it comes to the notion of, of uh, the inability to strategically think? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question because there's a number of different challenges. I would say the main one at this point, Patrick, is time. You know, we live in such an activity-oriented world that we, people feel like they've got to be doing things every minute of the day because we're connected to everybody. And, 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 and people actually feel guilty, I think, stepping back and just really thinking either individually or as a team about what they're doing why they're doing it and how they're doing it. But the research shows that bad strategy is the number one cause of business failure 80% of the time. So if we don't take the time to step back and think strategically, then we're putting ourselves at risk both financially and, and from a business perspective. But what do you see, what do you, have you seen and are seeing as the result of the inability to, to uh, strategically think. I mean, I, I see there's lots of businesses, especially, you know, I would say with the block, I just did an interview last week uh, regarding blockchain and the thousands and thousands of new ideas and companies that are coming uh, online is, is, is prof profound. It's, un it's, un it's unbelievable. And so, you know, as far as a, a business is, is concerned, what do you see as the result of the inability to incorporate these principles into business? Yeah, it's, you know, you bring up a great example with the blockchain because that obviously is getting a lot of traction because of the, the, the multiple applications it has in lots of different spaces. And I think to that point, you know, if you think about any company that you're in out there, you know, as a listener, you know, you got to ask yourself the fundamental question, you know, do we have differentiated offerings in, in the form of products and services? Is there unique value that we're creating and delivering to our customers. And I think the big challenge for most organizations today, Patrick, to your question, is really that there's not a lot of differentiation, especially if you're in a mature industry, you're doing a lot of the same things in a lot of the same ways as everybody else. And we know once we get to that game, it really just comes down to cost and price. And, and that's a game that we typically don't want to play. So I think one of the challenges for all of us is to, to really think about how are we different in ways that customers value. And it doesn't, again, doesn't just have to be the product, but the experience that customers have with us, whether it's in our stores or online, the, um, the, the process that we go through with them. What's that unique value? We've got to be thinking about that every day. Yeah, it, see, it, seems, it seems like the, the end result of a business, which is a, ultimately a product or service or, uh, or a couple of products and services, uh, it, it's, it's 
it's changing and it's changing not necessarily to the value of the product. That's not what causes uh, success. Can you speak to that for a moment? Yeah, you, you know, it's a great point because I think one of the things people get locked up in is kind of the battle of product specifications. You know, we've got this bell and whistle and the competitor came out with this bell and whistle, so we've got to match it. And I think you hit on a really important aspect in that we've got to think, we've got to think at a higher level. And, you know, when we think about a business, it really comes down to three things. It's, it's how do we create value? How do we deliver value? And then how do we capture that value in the form of profit and customer loyalty. And so I, you know, I like where you're going there. I think you've got to not just think about, you know, what's our product and service specs and how do, how do we rate, but really think about, you know, what's our process for creating value, delivering value and capturing value. Are we doing it in the same way we've always done it? If we're a product seller, could we maybe go to a subscription model or a pay-per-use model? So we've really got to be thinking more kind of at the higher business model level, you know, in those three areas. And I think if we do that, that's when we start to come up with some things that might be a little bit different than everybody else in the market. And that, that's a great response. So, I, so you use the word thinking multiple times there. And I, I uh, believe that you probably have a different perspective than most on what thinking means. So can you take a moment and describe the, the concept of strategic thinking uh, for us so that we, uh, and, and maybe uh, give us a, an example of what strategic thinking uh, uh, is? Yeah, so you know, there's a, there's a lot of different definitions of strategy to start with out there because strategy is abstract. It's like leadership or love. So you can't reach out and touch it. And I think people put a lot of different definitions out there. When it comes to strategic thinking, really, it, it comes down to your ability to generate insights that lead to new value either for the organization or for your customers. So strategic thinking is your ability to generate new insights, new ideas on a regular basis that lead to new value for your organization or for your customers. And I think that's why you know, research has shown that strategic thinking is now the number one most important skill for senior leaders to have because we've always got to be thinking about what's that new idea, what's that new insight. You know, where companies start to fall behind is when there's no new thinking. They're just doing the same thing in the same way that they've always done it. And that's, you know, kind of gets to, to Albert Einstein's definition of insanity, where we're doing the same thing over and over again, and we're expecting different results. So, you know, if we're thinking strategically, we're coming up with new ideas proactively on a regular basis that generate new value. And so, you know, I think when it, when it comes to examples of strategic thinking, you know, there's lots of good ones out there. You know, I think more recently, you know, you think about companies like Uber, you think about companies like Airbnb, you think about companies like Amazon, really what they've been able to do is, is think about what's most valuable right now to customers. And when you think about those three companies specifically, what do they all have in common? Convenience, selection, and low or value pricing. And so, again, they've been able to think about what's that new value out there that people are really gravitating towards, and then how do we customize our offering for that? So for all the folks listening out there, it really comes down to thinking about what's that new value 
that our customers want. And a lot of times, Patrick, we could think about, you know, what are the problems or challenges our customers are facing and how can we solve that for them? It, and, that, and one thing you hit on, and it was really, it was, it was brief, but in, I would say in, in some cases when, when businesses, and this is what I at least have experienced, when businesses are, are seeing the, the need of either adapting to the, the market or modifying what they were doing to uh, have a higher appeal to, to clients. It's, it's the trying to figure it out themselves without what a lot of the tech world is going to, which is trying to discover what the client actually wants uh, based on whether it's their behavior or direct, direct, uh, direct feedback. So would you say that, that uh, strategic thinking is like, it, it's not an individual uh, effort, right? Or maybe it is an individual effort but it's also a, a collective effort. So can you speak to that briefly? Yeah, you know, I think I, from what I've studied, the best companies really approach it from a two-pronged perspective. And I think you just really hit on it. You know, we want to be able to think strategically individually because that's what increases our value to our organization, um, to the customers that we're serving. So we want to be able to come up with those new ideas that generate value ourselves. But to your point, the power really comes when we've got all of the people working on our, our behalf within our group, our organization, thinking strategically so that everybody feels like they have ownership in generating that new value. Because if, if, we're, just, if we're just expecting people to execute and not give them the opportunity to come up with those new ideas, then the buy-in, the commitment from them to execute strategy is going to be a lot lower. But if we give them the permission, the tools, the knowledge to, to think strategically, to come up with those new ideas, to share those new ideas with the rest of the organization, then that's when we can really start to generate you know, that, that the power that comes from getting all of the people that we're working with and serving, you know, thinking strategically together. Yeah, there was a there was a book. Oh gosh, it's uh, uh, where good ideas come from, uh, and it was a, just a fascinating kind of deep dive into the the Scottish Enlightenment and, and the creation of the coffee shop, and and how you know instead of a pub, it was a gathering area that uh, st- sparked different dialogue because obviously caffeine and coffee, right? It, it's a stimulant, and so the the notion of of thinking really. Uh, blew up at that point in a good, in a good way. And, and that's the, you know, that's, I, I see that in business that some people uh, or some business leaders or business, you know, operations, you know, it's, it's very kind of hierarchical and, you know, the, the thinking associated with the individual happens on, on one plane and one plane only. And I, and I, you know, I've at least experienced it personally, but have seen uh, other business suffer greatly from that because it disengages people uh, from using their talents and abilities and, uh, you know, getting to the point where they actually care and want to make a difference with the company. Yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's funny, exactly what you just said. Elon Musk, the CEO of SpaceX and Tesla, you know, we're all familiar with Elon Musk. He's done a great job. You know, he said the, the problem is that at a lot of big companies, process becomes a substitute for thinking. And so I think you're right. You know, a lot of times we, we just, you know, put people in, you know, fill out these templates, go through the process, but we don't actually give people the, the, the tools and the time to think strategically. And I think that's why so many strategic plans either sit on a, 
uh, a shelf collecting dust or they're buried in a PowerPoint deck that never gets looked at because there's no new thinking. There's no new ideas. So why are we going to go back to those? Hmm, interesting. Well, let's say maybe segue to, you know, your most, your most recent, uh, recent book. And you've written a number, number of books, uh, you know, deep dive and, and um, taking smart action. But your new book is called uh, Strategy Man versus the Anti-Strategy Squad. And the subtitle is using strategic thinking to defeat bad strategy and save and save your plan. Uh, and you, you kind of use a, uh, like a superhero type of, of theme to it. So can you talk about your, your new book and, and maybe how that relates to some of the points that we're making in this, uh, I would say intro intro dialogue. Yeah. Yeah. So over the last 15 years, I've done research with, with more than 5,000 managers around the world and, and really wanted to understand what are, the, what are the challenges, what are the issues that you're seeing day in and day out. And so that research yielded 20 challenges that people are seeing on a regular basis day in and day out. Things like bad meetings, silos, uh, misalignment, um, bad decisions, um, you know, um, strategies that don't make sense. Um, and so what we did for this new book is, is, is basically took those challenges and we personified those in the form of villains. So bad, uh, meetings, awesome. is the, yeah, so bad meetings is the meeting menace. Um, decision demon is there. Franken strategy, jargon goblin for companies that are putting all kinds of words together and kind of the strategy stew. So, and then each chapter of the book, we have the, the managers from this fictitious tech company, uh, that are battling these villains. And at the end of each chapter, we have a sit down with strategy man, the, the main hero and some of his sidekicks. And we talk about what did we learn there? And then most importantly, we give managers, we give people some real practical tools, tips and techniques that they can use to develop better strategy and to overcome a lot of these uh, challenges that they're seeing out there. So I'm, I'm just writing a note down here. Uh, so the, one of the one of the things I've thought a lot about over the last uh, six months is that you know with with the you know incredible growth in in just industry and business in in general, uh, there's lots of opportunities for for people. And and so this this may be off, an off the wall question, but if you're you know if if you're the the college graduate or maybe you're you're not necessarily in your entry level position, but you're within five years of graduating from from college, and and you start to look at you know your ideas and and look for a company that uh, that actually incorporates and values you know some of the the strategic thinking. Uh, principles. What would what would you encourage for these these individuals? Because because I would say our our listener base is uh, either it's kind of at an executive level, but it's also the the entrepreneur and the small business owner, which are two different you know demog uh, uh, you know two different per, uh, personas. But what would you say to just the individual that's, that is an employee working at a company and and ways they can identify companies that may not follow to the letter, you know, strategic thinking, but at least are operating uh, similar, similarly? Yeah, so I, you know, I think that's a great question. I think, you know, the first thing you want to look at is, you know, are they a leader in their marketplace? And again, they don't, it, it's not just size that makes people a leader. You know, you can have a small company in a small niche that's the leader in that area. But when you typically, when you have a leader in a certain area, they've done a good job of separating themselves from the competition through some type of differentiation, whether it's through um, the, the experience that customers have, whether it's through technology, 
through service, education. So I think that's the first thing to look at is, you know, have they differentiated themselves? Do, do their customers understand how they're different in ways that they value? And I think, you know, to your point, especially for the small business owner and the entrepreneurs out there, you know, that idea of how are you different in ways that customers value is so critical because the entrepreneur and especially the small business owner, they don't have as many resources as their larger competitors. So they've got to be super focused and really be able to have the discipline to make trade-offs and really focus in one or two areas that they can bring the most value and separate themselves in the mind of the customer from their competition. So I think, you know, that whole idea of, you know, does that company, does that, that entrepreneur, does that small business owner, are they able to differentiate themselves from the competition and kind of separate themselves from the pack? I think that's one of the, the key things that you've got to look for to say that, yeah, they are thinking strategically. So now maybe we'll segue to the, you know, the, the executive type of leader role and, or maybe it's a, a, a business owner of a medium, maybe a medium sized business and, and they are operating in, in silos or they're operating, you know, hierarchically. What would you, you know, as you, as you wrote the, the strategy man versus the anti-strategy squad, uh, what were you, you know, what would you identify in, in those types of structures? And then how would you, uh, you know, consult them or, or give them uh, uh, some advice or things to think about as first steps? Yeah, so it's an important point that you bring up because a lot of organizations, even at the midsize and some of the smaller companies too, they do have challenges with silos, meaning you know the, the HR team and the IT team, the marketing team, the sales team, they're all working on parts of the business, but they're really not collaborating. They're not, they're not working together. They're not really aligning themselves and their strategies with one another. And so you know, I think it's got to start at the top. So you know, if you're an executive out there, you know, you've got to be able to set up um, some types of strategy conversations with other functional areas, even if it's on a, a quarterly basis, getting together for an hour or two hours to talk about, you know, your goals and objectives, your strategies and understanding what their goals and objectives and strategies are. That goes a really long way in ensuring that people are, are that organizations are really using their resources in an optimal way, that they're not spinning their wheels, they're not, you know, creating something from, that they don't need to create because other groups are working on it. So I think, if, especially from the executive level, you've got to be able to set up those strategy conversations between different groups. And the other thing I've seen really work and be effective is creating what I call an insight network where you've got a formal way internally for people to submit their ideas, their learnings, their insights on a monthly or quarterly basis so that senior leadership is seeing these ideas and they're not getting, you know, they're not getting left or, or, or blocked off in, in a certain area or a certain level, but that those ideas are circulating throughout the company. And you can do that, you know, through an intranet, you can do it um, through email. There's lots of ways to do it. And I've helped people set those up, but I think, you know, Number one, having strategy conversations with different functional groups. And then number two, setting up that insight network are both powerful ways to, to overcome those silos. Yeah, it, it was, your, your response was similar to what we have been talking about a few moments ago, which is, 
you know, getting, getting feedback from clients, what their experience, you know, customers, clients, what their experience uh, is, is like, as opposed to trying to figure it out yourself, figure it out yourself. And, and this goes to an executive in a, in a, a, a management role. Uh, and instead of them trying to figure out themselves, it's using, you know, their, their team or their, you know, the, the employees at different levels to provide that feedback for them. Yeah, you know, I think, you know, that's a great point, Patrick. The best leaders realize that they don't have to have all the answers themselves, but the best leaders are really able to tap into their people's thinking on a, and ideas on a regular basis so that they've always got a great source of new ideas, new insights that, that can help them bring more value to the customer. So I think, I think you're exactly right there. So you you brought up something that I wanted to to get into, and and it's leadership. And and I, I look at you know the the idea around your new book, and you know the the hero versus the villain. I would say heroes personify a, a lot of leadership characteristics. And so would you would you talk to you know just what what leadership is uh, to you? Uh, and then maybe get into some of the misconceptions associated with what leadership is. Yeah, so I think you know leadership is 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 really the ability to to provide direction, guidance, and really compassion for the people that you're working with and that are working for you, so that there's clear understanding of where are we going and how are we going to get there. And I think if you as a leader can lay those things out for people, you know, that that's really when you start to have a lot of success. And I think, you know, we talk about strategy and thinking strategic earlier. I think the reality is good leaders understand the why, you know, the purpose of the business, you know, what's our mission, what's our vision, where are we going? And then they understand really, you know, how are we going to get there? What are the interim goals and objectives we need to establish? What are the capabilities that we need to build our skill sets and those types of things? And then one of the most important things I think a leader can do is really act as a filter for their people so that all of the noise in the marketplace and internally that, that's, that's there, they can filter that so that really only the most important things are going to their people so that people are able to stay focused, they're able to, to prioritize, and they don't feel spread too thin. I think that's, you know, at the end of the day, what a leader can do is really set direction, you know, provide guidance, compassion, and then really act as a filter for, for, for people so that they can do their best work. Man, that was, there was so much in that. That's, that was incredible. Thank, thank you. Uh, so I have a, a, maybe to segue, segue a little bit, which, which I think this would be helpful to me. And, and uh, I, would, I would assume that some of the listeners uh, would value the kind of the litmus test of, of what I'm about to ask. But what, what are, you know, as you go in and you consult with companies or, or uh, uh, teams, what are some of the initial questions that you asked to get a, an idea of, of where they're at? And I'm assuming you probably do like a, you know, a fact finder and a lot of other, you know, uh, discovery before you actually meet with them. But let's say you didn't do any of that. Like what, were, what are those, some of those fundamental questions that help you get a gauge for where a company uh, is, is at so that you know where to start? Yeah. So I, you know, I typically look at any business 
in four areas. You know, I look at it from a market perspective, a customer perspective, competitor perspective, and then the organization itself. So those four areas I kind of use as, as the starting point. So, you know, typically you want to understand, you know, what are some of the key trends or patterns that they're seeing in the market? Um, you know, what's going on from a macro level in the marketplace today? Then you want to understand, you know, who is their customer? And then just as importantly, who is not their customer? You know, do, are they trying to serve everybody out there? Because if that's the case, then that means they haven't really thought through, you know, their business model and where their focus should be. So who are their customers um, and then who are not their customers? And then from a competitive perspective, you know, who is your most dangerous competitor and why? You know, because that's really going to give us some insight into, you know, the, 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 the potential differentiation or lack of differentiation from that group. So we want to understand, you know, what, what that differentiation looks like. And then when it comes to their organization, you know, typically we want to understand, you know, do, you know, do they have a value proposition in place? You know, are they pretty clear as to, you know, what they can provide to customers and how they do it in a unique way relative to the rest of the folks that are out there? So, you know, do they have that value proposition in mind? And then, you know, simply understanding kind of what, you know, what are their strengths, their weaknesses, what do they see as opportunities and threats, I think are all things that, you know, typically a business is going to want to understand so that they're taking a more holistic view of their situation. Okay, that's awesome. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. I know that that was kind of a, an, out there, an out there question because I'm assuming, you know, it, it applies differently to, to different organizations, size and so forth. Uh, but that was an excellent, excellent answer. Thank you. So just a few maybe wrap up, wrap up questions that I'm, I'm curious, uh, curious about. Uh, what are, who are maybe some of the past and uh, current uh, industry leaders that you have been uh, inspired and influenced by? Yeah, so I think today, you know, you've got to look at somebody like Jeff Bezos who runs Amazon you know, when you, when you look at, you know, where they started back in the, you know, the mid nineties, you know, selling books online and, you know, very, you know, uh, you know, very gradual start. And now, you know, when you look at what they've been able to do as an online retailer, and then, you know, they're obviously their work in the cloud space. Um, you know, I think he's somebody that absolutely has had a lot of vision as to, you know, what he wanted to do with that company. And again, you know, you think about Amazon and, the fact that, you know, they've got over a hundred million um, prime subscribers at this point. So they've got a hundred million. Yeah. A hundred million. So they've done an amazing job of, of really, you know, providing that convenience and that value. And I think, you know, a lot of other companies now in, in any area are really being measured by, you know, Amazon standard for convenience, you know, can you deliver something to me in, in two days or less? And if you can't, then, you know, you got to ask yourself, are you going to be around in two or three years? So I, I would say Jeff Bezos probably is, is one. And the other one I'd say is Reed Hastings. He's the CEO of Netflix. You know, we, we obviously know where Netflix has come from. You know, they were able to surpass um, Blockbuster Video. Um, they went from the DVDs to the streaming. And one of my favorite quotes from Reed Hastings is, you know, he said, if you're not genuinely pained, by the risk involved in your strategic choices, then it's not much of a strategy. So, mm. you know, he's somebody that really understands the, the power of focus and being able to make trade-offs to, to have good strategy. Cool. That's awesome. Uh, and then maybe a follow-up to that. <clears throat> what, are, what are some of 
the the uh, influential uh, books that have kind of formed your philosophy associated with uh, uh, with business and and with life in general? Yeah, so you know, I think especially you know since I'm in the strategy space, you've got to go back and you know look at some of the the seminal books on strategy. So. You know, Competitive Strategy by Michael Porter, you know, back in the 1980s, I think was really one of the foundational books that, you know, really started to give us an idea of, you know, how are we applying, you know, strategy to business, um, you know, going way, way back in the time machine, you look at somebody like Sun Tzu, the Chinese general and philosopher, you know, who really started to, to lay out some of the key principles of strategy from a military perspective, you know, in his book, which became The Art of War. Um, Carl von Clausewitz, again, another guy from a military perspective who lays out the key principles of strategy uh, in his book on strategy. So, you know, I think those three are, are really probably the seminal, the seminal books. And then, you know, from a, a life perspective, you know, you look at, um, you know, there, there, there's lots of books, but I think, you know, Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill is, is one. You know, Dale Carnegie's, um, you know, Influencing People, How to Win Friends, Influence People, I think are, are key ones. And then, you know, Robert Cialdini, um, professor out west, you know, has a, a, a great book called Influence, which, you know, is another powerful book on, you know, how we interact with people kind of day in and day out. Yeah, and his new one, The Persuasion, is, well, it was written a couple of years ago. That's a fascinating one, too. Yep, exactly. Uh, and then one one last question. Uh, what was uh, maybe the most recent uh, thought-provoking conversation you had that that impacted, uh, for better or for worse, the, the way that you think? Yeah, so it, um, I would say probably the one most recently was um, you know, with an organization that I've, I've been doing strategic planning with for, for a couple of years now, and they're a, a big company. And, you know, one of the, one of the things that, you know, they're working through is, you know, the business model and, you know, they, they, have been a more of a traditional company and really thinking about, you know, is technology something that we have to embrace, you know, all aspects of it. And I think, you know, it, it really made me think about my business and, you know, traditionally, as I do leadership development work and workshops and strategic planning, you know, it made me think about, you know, what aspects of my business should be more digital or technology based. And so, you know, I've started to develop some learning systems and things that are more digital because I think, you know, that that's where, you know, potential value can can certainly um, be developed. Yeah. And leverage, leverage and scale. Exactly. Too. Yeah, exactly. Well, Rich, this has been awesome. I'm going to, I'm going to you know, selfishly, I, I uh, have learned a ton from this. I'm going to go back and, uh, and, and listen to it just for the, the businesses that I'm a part of. Uh, but you're clearly uh, a person that has a tremendous amount of knowledge and experience as it relates to uh, not just, you know, one type of business or industry, but, uh, but multiple. And uh, I, wish we had, I wish we had more time, but thanks. Thank you so, so much. What's a, what are some ways that the listeners can uh, follow you uh, or learn more about uh, your your business and uh, and some of the resources you've produced uh, to help uh, increase strategic thinking in you know small and and large businesses. 
Well, thanks, Patrick. I've really enjoyed chatting with you, and I think the questions you, you know, shared today were really thought-provoking, so I really appreciate that. You know, as far as additional resources, I've got lots of free videos and podcasts and articles and white papers and infographics at strategyskills.com. So the, the website strategyskills.com um, can provide some free resources there. Um, you can also find information on the new book, Strategy Man versus the Anti-Strategy Squad. And then uh, certainly, you know, I, I publish on LinkedIn uh, under Rich Horwath. Uh, and then I've got a YouTube channel as well uh, where I potentially post some videos uh, occasionally um, too. So, you know, any of those places uh, would, be, would be great and certainly love to hear from folks. Rich, it's been an awesome conversation. Thank you again for, for your time and sharing some of your wisdom with us. Patrick, thank you. Really enjoyed it as well and hope you have a, a great rest of the week. You too. Thank you for joining us as the Wealth Standard Podcast spends all of 2018 celebrating life, liberty, and property. Be sure to leave us a review on iTunes, and we'll see you on the next one.